Welcome, everybody, to uh, another week of the Soccer Thread podcast and a very, very happy Father's Day um, to one Colin Smith, who is in the swamp right now. Uh, and obviously, Dan is celebrating his Father's Day, not potting, um, which, you know, I appreciate. Sometimes you need a little me time. So, um, Colin, happy Father's Day from the swamp. Yeah, as a father, I can tell you there's not a lot of me time. There's not a lot of me time. <laughs> take it, take what you can get. Yeah, my Father's Day present is next week, uh, so you'll have to wait for that. But uh, definitely happy to be here on this this two-man pod. There's nobody else you're going to announce now. That's this, it. This is it. That's it. That's it. That's the entire roll call. You can go through other people, but it's just going to be a Bueller situation. It is It is just us, baby. It is just us. You're right. Um. All right. Uh, first email is from Raymond Orozco who says, I didn't get the email to file my bracket for the Copa America. He's, you know, making fun of the fact that we very good, very, very good question. Engaged we, in European yep. or, you know, Euros gambling, yep. but not Copa America. Fair point. Copa America is a big tournament. It's just Copa America for me. Um, Copa America for me, having less teams, actually, you'd think that it makes it more heavyweight. Uh, because there's only good teams, basically, and, like, I don't know, like Bolivia or, or Paraguay, you pretty much know, are not going to win it, but there's it's, uh, there's a lot of heavyweight matchups, but I feel like it's it's just the same teams playing the same teams. They play each other so much, just like in World Cup qualifiers. It's kind of the same reason that the Gold Cup is a little bit not so interesting, right? Because it's like, yeah, we play Canada and Mexico, and especially, whatever, Mexico and Costa Rica. It's like, yeah, they're good teams, and, and those are really you know, as quality of games as our federation gets, but like we play them twice a year, basically. Whereas, um, you know, whatever England versus Belgium, you're 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 gonna see a lot less often. Yeah, I mean, I you, I agree with that. I I think uh, I think it makes sense. I mean, I think that we're just Eurocentric. We watch mainly um, European football. We don't really see a ton of even like. Liga MX, I, I want to start watching more of that. Um, I obviously know that they're not in Copa America, but, um, you know, it's just not something players that I don't really recognize. I feel like I can recognize a little bit more uh, on the European front. Um, but, you know, Raymond, point taken, I'm going to try to engage a little bit more um, with Copa America from here on out, I promise. Yeah, and I mean it's the same thing. With, you you make a good point there about Liga Max. I think we've gotten emails in the past. Maybe one of the the lost emails from last week that Mike decided not to read <laughs> uh, was about like how come like if you if you asked a U.S. soccer fan like what teams do these guys play for and you gave them the Mexican national team roster, they would not be able to name the teams. And if you did the same with the England roster, they would, despite the fact that the Mexican team. You know, those guys play closer to the U.S. and, you know, they more often play the U.S. men's national team. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason that is, is like you said, it's because of TV, basically. Yeah. Like those guys in England are all piped into our houses on NBC Sports, the Premier League in a really nice package in English that we all understand. And it has now kind of carved out a niche in 
uh, Saturday morning programming like has its slot where we all wake up and have a cup of coffee and watch a game. <laughs> Whereas Liga MX doesn't have that. Uh, you know, maybe like their games are on at more primetime times on Spanish language channels versus so they're, you know, being broadcast against, you know, whatever the NBA playoffs, yeah. or whatever NFL or whatever it is at the time, you know, depending on the time of the year. But um, it's just like it, it makes it it's a TV product kind of situation. It's it's the entertainment part of it, not the sports part of it. Uh, I mean, you also bring up a good point about the primetime um, euros are fantastic for me. Because it is oh, a great. it's a six a.m. kickoff, uh, what nine a.m. and uh, noon here on the yeah. on the west coast. Um, that's prime time, especially for me during the summer because I'm at home. Um, I can, I'm you know by by midday I have the rest of my day, uh, and then by seven o'clock uh, where you know some Copa America games are kicking off. It's uh, it's all Bravo all the time here in the in the Palmer house. So uh, it's hard. There's no it, availability. But I do have a laptop. I do have a tablet. I can so I can engage in those games a little bit more. So um, point taken. Uh, yeah. ex- expand the knowledge a little bit. I I see you, Raymond. East Coast, I, and I hear you. Yeah, yeah. The Euros on East Coast time is 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 legitimately oh, from amazing. nine a.m. to five p.m. Like if you're working nine to five. It's just like, if you are at work, ESPN should be on in the background. Just and then when it stops going off, it's like, oh, well, I should uh, should go home now. I should, right? Or, you know, you're probably working from home, but whatever. Right. You know, you should be like, all right, well, uh, I should <laughs> shut down the laptop and pay attention to my kids now. It's five p.m. Yes, <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Uh, he thinks. Do you think his real question is? Do you think less of Messi? Because he's never won an international tournament. I mean, I feel like Copa America is there for him to win. Like, I feel like that's the trophy that he should have been able to win. Um, and he just hasn't, right? So, uh, do I think less of Messi? No. I Like, I rate Messi. I think he's properly rated. <laughs> uh, he is the best player of all time. Um, and I don't think the fact that he doesn't have any international trophies... Uh, tarnishes his legacy. Um, I think if you want to get like all Skip Bayless and and be like Messi isn't clutch, da 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 da, you certainly could. There is definitely an argument there to be made. Uh, but I'm not here to make that argument. I Messi is uh, the greatest of all time. Like I, and the fact that he doesn't have an international tournament victory, I don't. It doesn't. It doesn't affect. Uh, it doesn't affect the way I that I, the way I see his legacy. Yeah, I agree. It's like a weird, right. it's a weird fluke kind of situation to me. Like penalty kick, yep. kick misses and things like that. And he's won absolutely everything uh, three times over at the club level. So right. he's he's a winner. Um, Ray also uh, wanted to talk about the USA Mexico game a little bit. Uh, I love that he says he was expecting a better performance by the U.S. team. <laughs> I was really expecting a convincing win, something that was eye pleasing, a statement win by the U.S. So much so, I was willing to wager the very thing I cherish most in life, and that's beer. I love do love it. it. Just, I love it. I, that's just like the waxing poetic from our uh, uh, our listeners. Uh, but one thing he's not too hot on is Zach Steffen. He says the hype behind these young American players. He believes in it, but the player I don't, I believe, is overrated the most is Zach Steffen. I must be honest. I really don't rate him at all. Woo! And he he basically goes on to say like. You know, it's kind of a joke. He's at Manchester City. He's not really pushing for the top job there, which I think we yep. can all agree with. 
Um, but what do you think about Zach Steffen? Regardless of the fact that, of course, he's not a top five keeper in the world, we're not going to be pushing a top five keeper in the world for his job. Is he is he good enough to play for the U.S. Men's National Team? Is he definitely our number one? I mean, I so two things. I think uh, in the beginning of this email, I think I, I may have misinterpreted a question that Ray asked uh, last week. So I apologize if, if my response uh, was was uh, not appropriate and I misinterpreted your response, Ray. Um, to your point uh, about Zach Steffen, I 100% agree with Raymond. Um, I don't think he's that great either. Uh, do I think he's our number? Here's why he's our number one. Because, and here's also why he plays at City. Uh, for some reason, they think that he is good. Uh, Pep and um, Burhalter rate him uh, better with his feet than any other keeper in, in our pool, I guess. Um, and that's why he is the number one, because that's what Burhalter wants to do. He wants to play out of the back, and apparently Stefan is the goalkeeper that can do that. Is that a, that's a commitment to the system. I don't. I haven't seen anything from Zach Stefan that's like, this guy is it. Um, you know, we're also coming off of the Tim Howard era, where it's like, who who is going to fill those shoes? Um, Brad Guzan couldn't. He was okay. Um, I just, but I I agree. I agree with this. Um, I think what we learned in the Nations League is that we also have. Uh, some some other talent behind Zach Steffen um, that could possibly step in and, and perform goalkeeping duties, right? Um, goal, goalkeepers could definitely win a game for you like they did in the uh, in the CONCACAF Nations League. Um, they could certainly lose a game for you as uh, I think it was Haiti found out um, with a yeah, goalkeeper that, that can't play with their feet. So, um, <laughs> you know, hard. so I I don't have a good answer to like, how do we solve this goalkeeping issue? Um, but I, I 100% agree. I've not really been impressed yeah. by Zach Steffen. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's To me, it seems like it's a position where you'd like it to be one guy who has locked down the job and we're like, this is not an open competition. Like, I think he actually, Raymond, compares it to the quarterback position in uh, the NFL. And, mm. and you'd like to have a situation where we have a guy and he's just the guy. And Tim Howard was a little bit that for for a period of time, but actually, in reality, uh, there was, you know, kind of an era there where we had a lot of different guys pushing each other, Casey right. Keller and Brad Friedel, Brad Friedel, and, and Tim Howard, and yep. and then Guzan, and even we had um, what's his name, Marcus Hanneman, who was playing in the Premier yep. League and was like not even, you know, one of the top guys there. Um, and now we don't, we do, we don't have uh, another a guy who's who's lived up to that standard. And so it definitely, to me, it definitely remains an open competition kind of situation. Whether Greg sees it that way, I don't know. But like, it should be an open competition. I still think Zach would win it. I don't think he's necessarily a bad keeper, but uh, it's just like it, it's one of our weaker positions right now. Like that's yeah. the, the reality of the situation. It's one of our weaker positions. Yeah. And that's weird for Americans. Like we nor- normally feel like because of that kind of history or era of. Keller, Friedel, Howard, like we're used to it being a very a position of strength. So, but yeah, Zach Steffen doesn't I, suck. I mean, I remember having conversations about like 
why are Americans so good at churning out good goalkeepers, but they can't put a field player on the yeah. on the pitch, right? Um, so, it yeah, I mean, he's just he's They're he's not great. Around. He's he's very average, but um, he's probably the best option we have right now, especially within Burhalter's system. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's the twenty twenty two keeper. Uh, I think by twenty twenty six, it's pretty likely we'll have somebody else come take his job. Yeah, um, I don't know if that'll be Ochoa necessarily, who seems like the next up, because uh, you kind of never know what these guys like. I feel like young keepers. You, you see them get a lot of flash because they can make some really nice saves or whatever, have some attributes that are really appealing. And then you see that, uh, oh, it turns out that guy kind of never got over his thing where he makes a lot of mistakes. Right. And we we expected, oh, because he was 17 years old, of course he makes a lot right. of mistakes. And then right. he was still making them at 23 and 24, and we were like, okay, you're you're actually not going to be a top-level keeper. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you never know who who's going to end up panning out or whatever. But um, <laughs> that you know, actually we'll – this is a uh, this is why we pod um, <laughs> to divert a little bit. Uh, it reminds me of the Timbers recently signed like a 16, 17 year old kid. Uh, he actually played in a game this year because both of our starting goalkeepers um, are like one A or one A and one B goalkeeper went down, um, and so the seventeen year old kid gets a start against like Houston. I think uh, they subsequently lose like 7-1 uh this this particular goalkeeper is like 6-7 just huge um but the timber signed him this weekend and they did kind of like a little guard of honor um and posted this on the instagram account and he uh just graduated um high school and the timber signed him on like the same day and he said uh you know i'm opening up a new chapter of my life uh, I'm not really good at school, so we'll see how this venture works out for me. Uh, <laughs> which is just like, oh, kid, stay in school, please, please stay in school. Uh, playing soccer is cool, but uh, you know, get that education, dog. Yeah, most soccer players don't work out. Um, <laughs> all right, moving on from goalkeeper chat. Oh, too bad we didn't have Dan for that. We could have done a whole podcast on that. Uh, Pedro. Uh, Royce is a very short email that says <laughs> nation's league matters more than gold cup question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. So I don't know how, how you, how you read that. Mike's the expert nation league matters more than gold cup. <laughs> um, and then he just, uh, okay, dude, uh, emoji face. Um, I roll the emoji face. So, yeah. I mean, uh, this is Palmer. Give me, give me the, the Mexican, fan perspective here why, why are we getting this email i mean i i just love this this is a perfect fan perspective um if they would have won this it would have been the usa sucks uh they'll never be back mexico is better than the u.s and that rhetoric will continue and now it's sour grapes it's um the the Concacaf nations leagues doesn't even matter we weren't even trying we weren't even trying uh, it's it's not a trophy that matters. Uh, it's just it's just perfect fandom. It's fandom in in a nutshell. Uh, I love the energy, um, and in the, probably you know he's right. Nations League probably doesn't matter. Does the Gold Cup really matter? I mean, it gets us no. a birth into the Confederations League. So the Gold um, Cup. Well, the reason the Gold Cup, by the way, the reason the Gold Cup matters less is not because of. Uh, 
like the trophy or the history of the trophy or <laughs> what it qualifies you for, whatever, you know, BS thing. It's just because we brought an A-list team to the Nations League and so did Mexico, and we are right. bringing decidedly B-list teams to the Gold Cup. The Gold Cup 60-man roster was released, uh, uh, I don't know, this week, um, and it is decidedly B-level. It is like mm-hmm. uh, four players. Yep. Yeah, four players. Uh, there, I just put it on the run order for you, Palmer. Uh, it's it's four players from the Nations League who made this, and I think they're all MLS guys. This is, I mean, the the team is not 100% MLS guys, or the 60 man roster, which will get whittled down to 23, obviously. But um, it's not all MLS guys, but it's largely MLS and the guys who, yeah, quite frankly, aren't in that in that first group of guys yeah. who you, you you know will be in the 2022 uh, World Cup and therefore the 2022 World Cup qualifiers, right? So it's like Sebastian Legette is in there. Um, I don't know. Well, Some, let me a lot of old let names. Me, uh, Paul, Paul Ariola. Yeah, but like new new guys too. Like DK is on the. It will be on the Gold Cup. So the Gold Cup, I think, we we got to see who actually makes the final twenty three. But I think the Gold Cup will have a fun roster. I think it will be as for a U.S. men's national team fan fun to watch. But I, we're not going to be sitting there thinking, oh, these are these are the guys who are coming to the world cup or these are right. our A-list guys. They're going to be guys who are, um, yeah, they're for. Well, okay. So if it's the, the gold cup has always been like a B minus C plus roster anyway. Right. It's yeah, always been that for sometimes us. more, sometimes more than others depending right. on the situation, but yes. And a lot of times it's that, the B plus C minus roster plays the um, group rounds and then they'll pull in guys. They've right. definitely done that in the past, pulling guys from yeah. knockouts. Who who is on Mexico's roster? I mean, I, I don't have it in front of me. I know. I would love I would love to know how many of their players are repeating uh like the the CONCACAF Nations League and Gold Cup and if if I if they have a lot of their repeat players, then that means Mexico's going for this tournament. They need that trophy, um, and they're definitely placing a lot of uh, value in. I the... mean, Mexico called back in Chicharito. I know that. Okay. I mean that could be a that could be a C C plus B minus move anyway though, right? So. Yeah. Well, I mean they have they have Diego Linez or yeah, I think yep. that's how you pronounce his name. Who very. Yep. Probably their best young talent, right? Very yep. good player. Hector Scorched Herrera. Us. Hector Herrera. Chicharito. Mm-hmm. Andres mm-hmm. Guardado. I mean, mm-hmm. big choker. Part, part of part of the CONCACAF Nations League. Oh, uh, yeah. The and only name that you've read right now that hasn't been, that wasn't part of the CONCACAF Nations League uh, was Chicharito. And and they're also bringing uh, Chucky Lozano. Like, they're, okay. that's very. That's that's a squad that they're bringing. Like, they're yeah, putting. They are really bringing a squad. I but mean, are, they, are they doing this because they lost the Nations League? Or are they are they doing this because they put value on the Gold Cup? I think it's because they lost the Nations League and they're like, we need a trophy. I mean, I hope that's true. I don't know. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not Tata Martino, right? Like, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. It's 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 a great question, uh, but I think the world will never know. First of all, uh, <laughs> that's true. That's very true. It's our hypotheticals again, but. 
Uh, Ochoa, the the keeper is, is going to be there. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. It's a that's a squad. huge part of the roster. It is a good squad. Yeah. I'm looking. I'm like as I'm looking more at it, Jonathan Dos Santos is going to be there, which is kind of weird to me, but uh, okay. Um. Yeah. Uh, Tecatito from Porto is going to be there. I mean, all the guys that's, are going to be there. Fucking shit. Yeah. It's, a, there's a, it's a really <laughs> A-list squad for them. <laughs> okay, a, so that's, that's what you didn't realize, Mexican soccer fans. This is that you take this Gold Cup seriously, but U.S. has not elected to take this one seriously. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that's, yes. I think that that's, that is, that's what we're learning from this. Is, all right. I didn't uh, know that. I Actually, that's a, that was a great question. I had no, I had assumed that Mexico was, you know, doing the same, had the same tactic. We are, we're going to get smashed by Mexico yeah. if we, yeah. if we play them. Yeah. Well, we'll so see. then, so that, so then we can have a pod that was like this, that win doesn't matter. They played our C minus club. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I look forward to writing that off. <laughs> we, when we get beat seven zero by Mexico. Yeah, yeah exactly. All right. That is it for emails. Uh, thank you for the email soccer thread at gmail.com. Um, all right. That's fantastic. Thank you, uh, Ray. Thank you, Pedro, for giving us the content that we, that we need uh, so that we can provide you with the content that you probably don't ask for. Um, with that said, that means that we're definitely going to be talking about the euros. Um, so if, you don't want to listen to this Eurocentric podcast. Um, you should turn it off now. I promise we'll do some Copa America next week. I promise. Um, but let's dig into this, Colin. Uh, just how much of this have you been able to watch? Um, and of the, the matches that you have been able to see, what has been your most enjoyable one? Ooh, my most enjoyable single match. I'll have to think up, think about for a second. Um, how much of it have I been able to watch? I, I have a lot of it on while I'm working. Yes, uh, as I said previously, mm-hmm. I don't actually watch a lot of it, but I definitely, after every, I've watched the highlights of every single game. Uh, mm-hmm. Which, yeah, I mean, so I've watched all the goals. Do I remember all the goals? No. Uh, let me think of, of my. I mean. Uh, what was the best game? I, I still don't have one in my head. But the best goal, I don't know, I think we've talked about on the podcast, is is the Schick goal from 55 <laughs> Scot- yards or whatever. The Scotland-Slovakia? Slo- uh, Czech Republic. Czech Republic, Czech Republic. Yeah. that's right. Yeah. And, and the thing about that goal that I love so much is not just that it's a goal from halfway that he takes uh, kind of like quickly. Like the keeper's running back. He doesn't take a touch and he just sends it. Uh, I love that kind rather than the kind where a guy like looks up and then hits the ball exactly where he wants. And then like Beckham is Beckham's one of from the half line is like this, where he like sets it up to himself and then clips the ball exactly how he wants. It's like the ball's rolling. You just got to hit it. Just, just takes a lot more talent. And he hits this ball. He does it. He executes this perfectly. First of all, Mm -hmm. this ball has a ton of bend on it, which I don't know why that's necessary at all, but just makes it look good. And secondly, it's a ball that hits the net before it hits the ground from 55 yards away, which is like just very hard to do. Like if you just give somebody 10 chances to do that, that's actually really hard to do. So to do it, you know, in the middle of a game 
in a pressure situation, uh, hello, it's, it's that's why it's so hard, and that's why, you know, it's uh, such an admired goal. Yeah. So that was definitely yeah. my goal of the tournament. Um, I think the game of the tournament so far has to be Germany Portugal, which I okay, didn't actually I was gonna, get to watch. I I mean, it's funny that you're picking that game because it's there's so many goals. Yeah. Portugal scored three times in the first half, and we're losing uh, two to one. Um, so there were there were yeah. uh, Portugal t- scored two own goals in uh, a matter of four minutes. Um, Ronaldo yeah. had a goal in the first fifteen minutes, um, and Portugal, <laughs> and then they scored on themselves twice. Uh, just like a calamity of errors. It's so it's just so Portugal too, right? Like Portugal somehow made it through their entire group stages last year or last Euros, uh, drawing everything. Every game, yeah. Um, I mean, they drew. I feel like they drew every single game. That's probably wrong. They probably won a game at some point. Um, but they definitely drew in the final and, and ended up winning in penalties. Um, so for Portugal, <laughs> Portugal just seems to just like squeak by um, yeah, with everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my, my game of the tournament so far that I've been able to watch, I also did not get to watch the Portugal-Germany game, um, was the Denmark-Belgium game. Um, I just, there was, obviously there was a, a ton of emotion um, with that game, they paused the game 10 minutes in and did a, a minute of applause, uh, which I thought was really cool. Um, Denmark came out and scored early in the first, in the like second minute, uh, which was just like, they were just running on pure emotion. And then, uh, just kind of the, the, uh, the skill of this Belgium team, um, kind of just kind of took over, uh, De Bruyne scored, has, uh, Hazard scored, um, and for me, it was like, I don't watch Romelu Lukaku enough, but God damn, he is unplayable. Like it is, uh, when he is, uh, like squared up with somebody, his, his pace, um, his ability to win a ball, it's, it is fun to watch. Um, and he's been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, he didn't score, but he definitely created at least the first goal. Um, so this, I, I really like this Belgium team, and they're gonna—they're a team that like does not know how to defend. So they're gonna give up a lot of goals. Their uh, their kind of style is just score more than the other team, which is also fun to watch. So, yeah, Lukaku is a player who, you know, I love him so much. Yeah, uh, but. Also, I think he's a player who runs on confidence and, uh, you know, like any striker, but even more so because I think because of the fact that he likes to play with the ball at his feet, but he is, his touch isn't actually all that great. Um, he has good, like, dribbling skill, but his, yeah. like, just pure touch is not that great. And so uh, when it goes wrong for him, it can look really ugly and, like, be – just like really bad he just like can kick the ball the other team kind of and and that's like really uh demoralizing but when he's on he can he can just you like you're saying he's unplayable and he had games for everton which is i you know he's a better player now than he was then i remember the game against chelsea i think it was an fa cup game where he just like just absolutely took over the game scored a goal where he dribbled through like three or four chelsea players and at the time was very much seen in the Premier League as like 
a guy who can get on the end of things and big and can head the ball. And he was just like, yeah, pushing people off and then doing like do the next guy with a step over and pound it in the back of the net. And it was just like, what the fuck are we going to do? All of a sudden this guy who we thought was just like athletic and could head the ball. Like now he can just dribble at us too. Like we're yeah. fucked. And, and that's how he is. If he's, if he's on the mood to do that, like, Oh, Belgium are going to be tough. Like he's like, tournament competitions aren't that long like if he's on that mood for the rest of the tournament like he can absolutely be the best player in the world for the next five games or whatever over the course of a season is he on the level of the best players in the world no because he'll go up and down but when he's up oh he's he's absolutely on that on that level yeah so uh yeah so that's definitely exciting to see just like whatever as a neutral fan or whatever as a lukaku fan yes but just as a neutral fan you're just like that's great to watch um, the other player actually that I've, uh, really liked watching on a team that I like the, the, uh, the ironic part here is, is the team I don't like watching <laughs> uh, <laughs> is, uh, I, I actually don't know how to spell, say his last name. Definitely. Right. But Alexander Isaac, uh, um, oh, he's the Swedish striker from Sweden. Yeah. Yeah. The Eritrean guy. I mean, he's, yep. his parents are Eritrean, whatever. He doesn't look swedish right his name yeah. first name is alexander is his name when you say his name out loud alexander isaac it sounds like it could be a swedish looking guy but he's yep. not a swedish he's the one non-swedish looking guy right yes um yes. but uh anyway he's like 21 years old perfect example to me i'm not saying he's unknown in world football like whatever if you're if you work in soccer you probably know who this guy is but to me an american uh you know watching the kind of games i watch and and whatever he's like pretty unknown to me he plays at real sociedad mm-hmm. um but he's 21 years old and he looks fucking amazing yeah how do i not yeah. know who this guy is like he's definitely going somewhere playing some you know in a couple of years going to be at a big club and i just really like his game he, he yeah can do it he's like a do-it-all striker so uh, he's been he's been great years old yeah, he's been great, and you know Sweden's on four points, so they're um, you know likely to to move through, and and um, you'll be able to watch some more Alexander Isaac. Um, I'm going to give you a couple kind of shock results, and I want you to tell me what is the most shocking result for you um, in this tournament. So, uh, I you got um, England, Scotland zero zero. Uh, all of these, all of these results are actually uh, draws, by the way. Um, so England, Scotland, zero zero. Uh, Spain, Sweden, zero zero. I thought that was kind of a shocking result. Um, uh, Spain, Poland, one one. Uh, and then you got Hungary, France, one uh, one. What is the the biggest kind of most shock result? And uh, will any of these results uh, kind of you know, parlay themselves into uh, success for um, that 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 team that was able to shock kind of the the uh, the big guy. Yeah. So, Hungary France is the most shocking result, right? That was hundred percent yesterday. Um, and Hungary scored first, right? Mm-hmm. Like that. That's part of it for me. Um, but even just the the final score, Hungary France one one. After their first game, we thought France looked. I mean, they only beat Germany 1-0, but they looked really good. They're the defending World Cup champions. 
Yep. There's every reason to they they're probably more talented now than they were two years ago, three years ago, whatever. Um, to every reason to, to believe they're favorites and Hungary scores on them. Uh, so like, yeah, that's pretty fucking shocking. Um, mm-hmm. they got one back, yeah. Um, I don't think Hungary's making it out of this group. They have to play Germany in the last game, and they need to win to get right in, to have any hope. So. That's a tall order. So I, I don't think they're doing that. Um, but that Hungary getting a point off of France, yes, it's the most shocking result. And they should be proud of themselves. Like, that's – it wasn't um, Sweden nil-nil Spain. is like, yeah, Spain, like, doesn't have a striker and kind of blew a few chances. Um, Olsen, the Swedish keeper who was on loan to Everton this year, like, stood on his head and had a great game. Yeah, but like, I don't know. Sweden didn't equip Spain. themselves well, and it's just more like Spain being Spain. Spain had like seventy five percent of the ball too, or something. Yeah, they like, had all. It was, the, just, it was just very Spain. They had all the ball. Yeah. They didn't yeah. have a striker. They couldn't figure it out because they don't have Xavi or Iniesta to unlock the door. Like, it, it was all so predictable, you know. Um, not shocking, certainly not shocking. But I'm sure very disappointing for Spanish fans, but not shocking. Uh, in the same vein, England-Scotland was, like, uh, not shocking because it was, like, yes, I'm sure very disappointing uh, for English fans that they couldn't score on Scotland, who is ranked I don't know what in the world. Like, they're clearly not a very good team. But, uh, you know, it's a derby, basically, right? England versus Scotland. Uh you kind of have to throw all those like it's cliche to say, but like results like this uh, validate it that you have to like throw results out the or uh, rankings out the window when you're playing a derby. Um, and and Scotland played great. I mean, Billy Gilmore was the hero. I, I love the thing of him being the Scottish N'Golo Conte. Um, but uh, I mean, I, to me, if there was any shock in the England match, it was that Harry Kane didn't score and didn't wasn't able to to figure it out because uh, I really think he's underrated basically in world football or like underappreciated. He led the Premier League in goals and assists this year. I think that is very hard to do. And I would expect, you know, any player who led a major top five league like the Premier League La Liga or the Bundesliga uh, in both goals and assists. I would expect that player to be able to get their national team a goal against a team of the quality of Scotland. So that is that's, shocking and disappointing. For them. I mean, that's been the thing that I've been talking about with England in the run-up to this tournament. Like, it sounds silly to say where are the goals going to come from because they have Harry Kane, they have Raheem Sterling, uh... I mean Marcus Rashford, right? They have they have they have the talent, uh, but they weren't scoring. But they don't actually score in the run up, yeah. right? Uh, and that that has been my fear. And you know they beat um, they beat Croatia one zero. I was that for me was like this feels like a classic zero zero game. Um, they weren't super convincing in the one zero 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 against Scotland. And now they're, you know, they're staring down. I mean, they have four points, so they'll get through, 
right? Uh, but it's a little yeah, concerning probably. to see to see that they're drawing 0-0 to Scotland. They're only scoring one goal. Uh, they've only scored one goal this tournament. Um, you know, it's uh, it's a little concerning for me. But it's also classic yeah, England. Yeah. And the media, the media, right? Like, what is full on yeah. meltdown in 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 England right now? So gotta love that. Um, gotta love that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I do think it it does show that. Uh, yeah, we expect England to just score because they have those guys. Uh, that you mentioned, but like uh, maybe those games leading into like do mean something. We kind of like, I think paper over that a little bit and say like, especially with the, I mean, I'm talking about the U S men's national team as well. Right. Like if we struggle to score versus whatever Honduras and some friendly or something, we're gonna be like, it's not a big deal. These aren't our real players. This isn't our real formation. This isn't whatever. Right. If we had this one more piece, like, you know, in our case, it'd be Pulisic, but maybe in the England case, it's like, Oh, well, Sterling was out that game or Foden right. was playing out of position or something. You always can find an excuse, but like uh, actually having a team that is used to scoring goals and seems to score goals every time they're out, like Belgium, uh, I, I think that that uh, that matters. It's not just the talent. It's like the group. Well, well, let's talk about uh, a team that is scoring goals uh, every time they're out and also not conceding goals every time they're out. Uh, is Italy the most impressive team of the tournament so far? And, uh, you know, I went into this tournament thinking that France was going to be the runaway favorite. Uh, and behind them, I thought Belgium. But after seeing Italy play, uh, I think I might be changing my mind and uh, maybe praising Kievan for his, uh, uh, his prediction here. But Italy is damn good. Yeah, I spent the weekend uh, with my sister's family my sister's family, my, my wife's sister's family. I missed a word there. My wife's sister's family. And, uh, they are Italian. And so we watched this game today, Italy versus Wales. And yeah, a lot of, a lot of hope now on that side, a lot Mm. of feeling like this is a different Italian team. Like there isn't strife in this team, like this whole thing. So I do think that, that, uh, that kind of matters. Like this team seems to be, um, yeah, more cohesive, less like there's, uh, you know, it's the opposite of like an Argentina, right? Where it's like, oh, there's Messi and maybe like another sub elite like category of guys like whatever Aguero and Iguain or something. And then it's like and everybody else. And it's like, you know, it, it's like Messi and the gang or whatever. This is like very much a, a unit and a team feel. And uh, at least that's the vibe. And quite frankly yeah they're scoring goals they scored three nil uh, over turkey and three nil over switzerland which mm-hmm. are pretty nice results these teams really they have a really pretty easy group in the end because turkey has turned out to be pretty poor um but really it's they they're italian they're they haven't let in a goal yet in three games and haven't That's, looked like letting in a goal right they so have like not only have they not let up a goal in three games they've not let up a goal in like a million. An insane, like yeah. a thousand, eighteen hundred minutes or something right. like that. So um, it doesn't look like that's going to stop anytime soon. Right. If they, if and when they go out of this tournament, it'll be like nil nil or one one on penalties, penalties or something. Yeah. You know, something like that. They're absolutely going to be a tough out in this tournament, and they're not going to put themselves out against whatever the Czech Republic in the first re- knockouts, right, or whatever. Whoever they end up drawing. Um, right. 
they're going to be a very tough out. So, yeah, I, I do think that Italy are for real, and I wouldn't have necessarily uh, – I think that was, like you said, savvy for Keevan to, to, to deduce that before the tournament. I wouldn't have – at the betting markets, quite frankly – you know, hearkening back to our podcast, the betting markets didn't put them on the level with Belgium yep. and France. Yep. Uh, but I think they've totally earned uh, the respect to be on that level um, through those first three games. So. so so, Italy goes through, Wales goes through in that Group A. Um, Switzerland on four points will probably get um, probably get through on whatever tiebreaker top third place team. Uh, do you like the setup? Do you like that a, a third place team in the group goes goes through do you feel like because i feel like those those last match days um some some games like the groups are already settled uh it it feels like these last games actually mean something you know like if you if you scroll down to uh group b um you know uh, denmark is playing russia finland is playing uh belgium Finland currently sitting in that third place spot, Denmark on zero points, but uh, Russia on three, um, you know, Denmark gets a win. You got to feel like that uh, maybe a win with uh, by, by a couple of goals, um, Belgium, yeah. Finland loses like right. th- the, that. They have the everything to be, play for, right? Exactly. The Danes can be second place in, they can be like auto in uh, right. with just a win if Belgium beats Finland, which seems very likely, right? So, yeah, I don't like the third place thing going through or whatever, the the third, the best, four best third place teams go through kind of thing. The reason is is actually Group B is is set up nicely. If you have all the teams winning, you don't Mm -hmm. have draws, then you uh, set up the way Group B is where, like, there's almost always, like, a big swing to play for in the last games. But if you have some draws... It's like just the way math works with three, three points and one point. You, it becomes pretty clear usually who's going to be through, uh, by the last round by the last round of games, and like kind of makes some certain scenarios very clear a lot of times. Like today in the Italy, Wales game, it was like as long as Wales doesn't get battered, they're probably right. through. And so yeah. then they were like, oh, Italy got their goal, and then both teams were like, cool, we're good here. Because yeah. Italy was like, we're assured of winning the group if we don't lose yeah. this game, uh, and then so, but you're but you're also okay if we don't batter you. So like, both teams play very defensive. One zero suits both teams in a way. I mean, right. yeah, Wales would have liked to get the point, but they really didn't want to uh, because they had drawn with Switzerland. Right, this is the kind of where the draws come in, and the first tiebreaker is head to head. Then it goes mm-hmm. to goal difference. If they had gotten battered, then Switzerland could get them on goal difference so right yeah i mean i think it's it's it gives you too many like outs it gives you too many scenarios to be and then you can be like oh all of a sudden playing for the win is not so good for us or like we don't need to win yeah situations where you feel like you don't need to win or you don't need to go for the game aren't are never good for the neutral fan right like oh yeah we'd always want both teams to need to win right right um so yeah, and if anything, I'm okay with games like um, Group B, where like uh, Belgium knows they're through, mm-hmm. and so yeah, Belgium could rotate guys or whatever. But like, 
everybody else is like fighting for their lives and like is going to be playing really hard. It's like so one yeah. team isn't trying that hard. That's fine. Um, it's the situation you don't like is when the teams playing each other. Like both don't teams have on the field to play don't for. have anything right. to play for. Right. Yeah, and I, I mean you know I I think to to your point as well like Italy definitely played their reserves today uh, and some you know, of them turns yeah. out. Turns out their reserves are also pretty good. Um, I so then I think you know the the group that has to be kind of uh, watched is is Group D, right? So you got uh, Czech Republic on four points, England on four points, um, both through, uh, and will be playing each other. Um, well, in they're not actually through through though. Well, uh, yeah, that's true because they could they could they could end yep. up. A wor- uh, the one of the worst third place finishers, right? Yep. Yeah. So. so they have. So England has to go for it. Uh, Czech Republic has something to play for as well. Croatia and Scotland definitely have things to play for. Croatia's on one point. Uh, Scotland obviously on one point as well um, after their draw against England. So uh, Group D, I feel like, is the the most in the balance group. Um, See, and those game those games are happening on I don't know whenever June twenty second is. Uh, what is that Thursday? See, but this is—I mean, I don't know if this is really the third place thing really helps or not. But just like this is just kind of how groups work sometimes. I guess that kind of sucks. Uh, I guess the third place thing actually that that works yeah in this yeah because they're because, playing for third place. No, what they're playing for is that the Czech Republic and England can both be get out of that third place conversation, not have to worry about it if they draw. Yes. If they each draw, they go to each go to five points, and Croatia, even if they win, can only get to four. So then, right. Czech and Czech Republic and England would go, okay, swoof, we're both through if we just draw. So let's just not give up a goal. Let's just play to nil. But but England is currently in second place in that group. I mean, I so, agree, but there it's just it doesn't. There's just not that the motivation right. to finish first is less than the motivation to. The, the whatever fear of getting dumped from the group, right? Whereas if if this was only only the top two went through, then both these teams would already be through, like you said, and they wouldn't mm-hmm. have to worry about like getting dumped. They'd be they'd be through, or I guess they wouldn't because Croatia could get to four. Fuck, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but, but like I don't know. Maybe it's just the it's just how the how the shit goes with groups. But like. I just don't like like there's just it's just going to happen that I don't know how many games there are still to play in the group stages like four or five, yeah four groups to go so eight games like, there's just like you know two or three of those games are going to be just complete duds because yeah you know there it's the motivations aren't there the motivations aren't lined up with how you'd like it to be so I think unless you get a goal early in the England Czech Republic game if that gets to like 60th minute and still tied both those teams are going to be like no, a draw is just good. Just take the draw, mm-hmm. which sucks. It, yeah, it does. And like the other thing is, I'm looking at the bracket here, and it says the runner-up of Group D will be paired or played against the runner-up of Group E. So that's currently England playing Ukraine. Uh, I feel like England's got to like that that matchup. I don't know why the runners up would be playing, but. Um, oh, First places get four. Oh, first points. play will play the third place, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So right. England's England's got to like the like the matchup. So yeah, it's they not, take it's a not, draw. Yeah, it's not like you get 
right? You get matched up with Italy or whatever, you know, right. some big team. You're like, yeah. Right. So, yeah, you know, we'll see. Uh, I think that's, that kind of like wraps up groups to watch. Um, we did talk about, you know, player of the tournament so far for you, Colin, um, is Alexander Isaac. Uh, why isn't it own goal? We have had so many own goals. What is going on? Yeah, we've had, I mean, there are three own goals in that group of death uh, yep. already, right? There's the, yep. the Mats Hummels one in Germany, France. And yep. then the two you mentioned uh, for Portugal scored on themselves, right? Portugal yep. own goals. Um, I don't know if there have been, yeah, there have been, yeah, there's the uh, Chesney off the Chesney post has, of yep. him. Yep. That's the fourth one is there any more it uh, feels like there's one every game it does feel like there's a lot i think that oh no there's one uh the opening goal of the tournament uh was an own goal it, it was an own goal it, italy scored a, off a turkey uh, yep. center back's chest i think yep. um yep. but yeah so that's like five yeah i agree with you it seems like there's so many of them and like a lot of them are like the first goal of the game or yep. like pretty like decisive and also a lot of them are the same goal, right? Like they're like that opening goal of the tournament, like kind of a uh, the cross from like pretty, not like a, a cross from deep, a David Beckham cross, but like the the modern cross, if you will, where the, the inverted winger kind of like getting to the edge of the six and like ripping a ball across the area yeah. that like just you've got guys running towards the goal and it's like, right. yeah, either fucking Ronaldo taps it in and celebrates like he's done something impressive or... <laughs> Yeah, or just whatever. It bounces off a defender because you just rip the ball in there. Right. Um, which is, don't get me wrong, great strategy. Like, if you can get if you can get to that position in the field, that is a very dangerous position in the field to be. Uh, so, yeah, but it just feels like a lot of them are just that same one goal. Which, are they're so harsh when they're, uh, you know, the defender. It's, we, we take the narrative around it that, like, Portugal scored on themselves. And it's like, what the fuck was that guy supposed to do? Like... <laughs> Somebody ripped a ball at him at like seventy miles an hour from four feet away, and it just, yeah, bounced off him. Right? So yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I I don't know why. I, I have no idea why uh, there are so many or like so concentrated in this tournament. But it's it's definitely wild. loving you, it, right? Are you if, not loving if, that? I'm loving it. If you took the over on own goals in this yeah. tournament, you're you're <laughs> you're, li- you're you've living, already paid living large, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Double down on own goals in the knockout. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Take your money down. <laughs> um, all right. That's, I feel like, the the Euros wrapped up for me. Uh, Colin, you got anything else for, for the Euros? Um, no. I mean, that's good. I love it. I'm, I'm very excited. I think it has lived, lived up to its... It's, uh, you know, billing or whatever, or like yep. our excitement for it. Um, yeah, very excited. Very excited about it. Can't wait for it to continue. Love it. All right. I'm going to go try to wrestle the uh, the remote from my wife and turn on oh. some Copa America tonight. But, but there's one thing I, I forgot to bring up. I should have put on the run order. I apologize. Uh, it has to do with our, our hemisphere, though, so we can get off the Eurocentric, Eurosnob stuff. Uh <laughs> They came out this week, and I don't know if it's been like officially confirmed or whatever, but that Mexico is going to have to play a couple World Cup qualifiers behind closed doors because of the the continued, I don't say continued use, but continuation or 
continued yeah. appearance of the homophobic chant. Yeah. Um, and what do you make of that, Palmer? Like, FIFA did that, right? Not um, CONCACAF, to be clear. It was a FIFA yeah. decision. FIFA World yeah. Cup qualifiers yeah. come with their brand name, so they get to decide these things. And they said, hey, basically, I mean, since the mess is, lo is loud and clear, right? Like, CONCACAF, y you've been irresponsible Terrible. or whatever right. in not cleaning up your own shit. And now that we yeah. have the, the, the games come back around to us being the administrative body, we're going to clean up your problems, right? We're mm -hmm. going to be the big brother or whatever you want, the adult in the room, which is a hilarious yeah. right. heel turn. I was going to say, when FIFA. When, when FIFA when FIFA is coming in and cleaning up your, your mess, it's not. Yeah, it's left. like, how messy is your shit, it's right? It's pretty like, fucking messy. Uh, I mean, I like it. I'm, it needs to happen if they, if they mean if they mean it for it to to get out of this to to get it out of the game then then this is what fifa's got to do um i i appreciate the move it's been a long time coming um and we'll see what the what the effects are but yeah yeah i mean the the most interesting part of it for me is that the president of uh the fmf which is uh uh federacion mexican football mm -hmm. uh he came out and said, like, we got to clean this up because 2026 World Cup, like, what if we have to play games behind closed doors in the yeah. World Cup? Or, like, what if we can't host, can't open the doors for the World Cup? And like, that's, like, a pretty uh, far-fetched scenario that FIFA would, would really do that. Um, but, like, it sounds like he's taking it seriously, which is yeah, kind of incredible. The reason that's incredible to me or, like, unbelievable and, and I mean that in both senses of that word, like it is not credible and also not believable that he really feels that way <laughs> is because like after the, it happened in the nations, like he was the like apology that his federation put out was so half-assed and like, you know, Oh, we're going to do something about this. Like whatever, please yeah. stop, stop emailing us, you know? Right. It's like, so I don't really believe it, but, uh, we'll see. Would be great yeah, if I mean, they can back it up with actions. Exactly. That's that's what has to happen. And then you know, FIFA. Uh, I'm glad that they're sticking to it. I'm glad that that they're they're forcing them to play these these games behind closed doors. Um, I think Mike mentioned this. I think you've mentioned this as well. If this continues to happen, it's got to be point deductions, like don't qualify for the World Cup stuff like that. So um, just keep scaling it up. Uh, and hopefully yeah. FIFA kind of sticks to that and sticks to their guns. So I mean, it would be, uh, but we know FIFA, so yeah. don't hold your breath. And and actually, you know, again, this is like me agreeing with FIFA, which is so weird. But uh, <laughs> it feels it weird. So feels so weird. But uh, I like that in this case. You know, when we saw this in Concacaf, even uh, it was like stop the game in progress and like we're entering this protocol now. Right. Blah blah blah, and. I think that does like negatively impact the players and like just have negative externalities, like the other team who's in the game, like that could like play to the advantage of one of the teams. It could play to the advantage mm -hmm. of the team whose fans are causing that. Right. If right. Whatever, for whatever yeah. reason. Um, and so I, well, I liked that that was happening. I was like, it didn't, I didn't have a better idea at the time of like what they should be doing about the, the chant 
And so like I was like, yeah, yeah I'm for that. But all of a sudden, like, this is actually better for FIFA to just be like, no, like, let the game happen. But if right. we, we have the technology, it's called yep. a tape recorder. Right. If you were chanting this chant during the game, you will not get to have your next two games. And then if right. you reopen it back up and you do it again, then you won't get to have your next four games. And then if right. you do it again, then you'll get three points deducted. And if you do it yeah. again, then you'll get ten points deducted. And if you do it again, you won't play in a FIFA-organized competition for two years. If you, yeah. you know, whatever. Like, just do that and, like, let them play and see if they, if they behave. And if they don't, yeah. like, they can just start getting their penalties. And they'll just be yeah. like, okay. Right. You know, rather than, than like trying to do it on the fly. Like it just, it doesn't, it seems like there's too much room for um, yeah, screwing and on, it up on the fly, And on the fly stuff. Cause like it all, it, it happened twice in the, in the nation's league and it always happened in like the 85th minute or like late to, towards the end of the game. And it, it was always like, really like you're, yeah. you're just hearing this now. Like they just started, they just decided to start doing this. It, feels, it feels very like, you're expecting the ref of the U12 game to like kick out the parents who are yelling. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I get that. That ref needs to be in charge of the crowd, but like the ref of the Nate, the whatever world cup qualifier doesn't need to also be in charge of the crowd and like listening to their, what they're chanting. And if they're chanting things that are inappropriate, he needs to stop the game. Like, no, we can have other people handle that and they might need to handle it afterwards. We we just need that ref from the U twelve game video that you sent uh, oh, the thread yeah. the other day. <laughs> uh, Kicking out the whole sideline, everybody. Yeah, take him yeah. out. Uh, Love it. I yeah, I can't believe that we're um, siding with FIFA on this, but you know, a broken clock is is right twice a day, right? So you know, exactly FIFA right. can do something decent every once in a while. So. All right, uh, go enjoy all the soccer um, that this summer has to offer. Copa America, obviously going on. Gold Cup starting up pretty soon. Um, Euros, obviously. And, uh, yeah, enjoy it. Try to stay cool. If you're in Portland, it's hot AF. Go enjoy Bravo. <laughs> Thanks, Cliff. Thanks, Cliff. It's, uh, it's all Bravo all the time here. Sorry, I had to burp. I've been drinking. I got plugs, baby. Nation League matters more than Gold Cup?